Hello, this is Tom Turner with the next episode in the City as Landscape podcast series. It's about modern and postmodern landscape architecture. When I wrote this book, I was working as a studio teacher in landscape design at the University of Greenwich. And it often happened that I found the students asking the same question over again. And so I would go home and write an A4 sheet about it and then distribute it as a handout to avoid repeating myself. Then I began to expand it and had the idea of making it into a book. I was enjoying the teaching and it was a real pleasure to write it. So my method was to write first and then do any necessary reading after that. It was a very, it was a fun method of writing and it was pretty speedy, which it needed to be because I'd, I'd got a contract for a book on landscape planning while doing it. And I enjoyed this more and did it first, somewhat to the um, annoyance of the, the publisher. I'd thought about doing a second edition, but then I thought, ah, people prefer listening to reading and it gives me an opportunity, if I simply read the book, to slip in comments as to what's changed in the 20 years or so since it was written. The title, City as Landscape, was meant to convey the idea that cities are not like buildings, works of architecture, they're, they're much more like landscapes in that they're multi-layered, constantly changing and alive. The subtitle for the book is a post-postmodern view of design and planning. And this was a comment, a reflection on the fact that modernism is completely past its cell date as a art historical term and postmodern design is past its use by date from any reasonable point of view. So I'll start with the preface. In the history books cities are founded, taken by storm and raised to the ground. They are objects which may be owned, conquered or planned in two dimensions. Real places are perceived and seen as landscapes, dependent on physical and mental points of view, with foregrounds and backgrounds always switching positions. Some are ephemeral, others comparatively permanent. In these plural times, the day of the singular town plan has surely passed away. Individuals, communities and social groups wish to plan their own worlds, their own communities. A new age of planning is therefore on the horizon. Different plans will be required for different purposes. We shall see more planning, but less control. The city of the future will be an infinite series of landscapes, psychological and physical, urban and rural, flowing apart and coming together again. They will be mapped and planned for special purposes, with the results recorded in geographical information systems, GIS, 
which have the power to construct and retrieve innumerable plans, images and other records. Christopher Alexander was right. A city is not a tree. It is a landscape or a series of landscapes. The essays in this book are about plans, designs, towns, buildings, landscapes, parks, gardens and GIS. Their approach may be described as post-postmodern within the following schema. Modern times date from the Renaissance. The five centuries from about 1450 to 1950 can be seen as a period in which reason helped to modernise society and came near to supplanting faith as the ultimate criterion of truth, justice and knowledge. Modernism describes the culture of the 20th century. By 1950, reason had aspirations to become the one true God. Jealous of all rivals, in public administration she had no rivals. Postmodernism, by definition, comes after modernism. In these essays, it is seen as the endeavour to keep what was good in modernism, but to move forward to a more tolerant pluralism. Within postmodernism, one reads of post-industrialization, post-capitalism, post-socialism, post-communism, post-colonialism, post-confessionalism, and post-everything-ism. Understandably, there is a concern that a pre-Renaissance dark age of chaos will result from all these post-isms. Post-postmodernism is a challenge to the anything-goes eclecticism of its predecessor. Reason continues to be held in high regard, but where reason falls short, one must turn to faith. Different faiths will see different landscapes. Post-postmodernism is a reaction to modernism's total acceptance of ephemerality, fragmentation, discontinuity and the chaotic. Some of the essays, including those on design theory and on parks, argue for more diversity. Others, including those on context and urban design, argue for limits to diversity. My own beliefs, which plainly underlie the essays may be expressed as follows. Because of our inheritance, humanity has a duty of care for the natural world, for our own interests, for those of others, for future generations. Civilization rests upon balance between reason and faith, materialism and spirituality, tradition and imagination self-interest and altruism. Reverence is due to the past. Sacrifice may result in a better future. Beliefs are not capable of scientific proof, but a land ethic is necessary and citizens do require good landscapes.
The activity of planning embraces two sorts of things. A survey plan, a two or three or four dimensional representation of the world. Action plans, proposed courses of action. Many have believed that action plans could be derived pseudoscientifically from survey plans. This approach, known as survey analysis plan, characterised much 20th century planning, architecture, landscape and garden design. It had the merit of diagnosis before treatment, but practitioners seeing their work as near scientific, came to believe in one world, one way, one truth, one plan. Postmodern architecture, inspired by linguistic structuralism, sought to break the link between surveys and plans. Form would no longer be a slave to function. Pluralism would be the disorder of the city. Post-structuralists went further, arguing that surveys are dangerous because they masquerade as value-free representations of the world. Each survey results from a judgment and is made for a purpose. Statistics, once seemed coldly neutral, are now seen to be collected by organisations to serve particular interests. That's why lies, damn lies and statistics became such a popular jibe. Plans of the world relate to interpretations of the world. Communities and individuals have different worldviews. Men and women, rich and poor, flies and frogs, stockmen and stockbrokers, believers and non-believers. Means, influence, end. Planning on paper is a specialised technique which produces other results. These essays, which are described as post-postmodern only for want of a better name, examine some of the implications of different world views for planning, architecture, parks and gardens. Cities can be seen and planned as broad or narrow landscapes ranging across the town, country and nature reserve of yesteryear. Looking up, one Parisian landscape can be taken from beneath the Eiffel Tower. Looking down, another is to be had. On street maps, they could be represented by a single point. In section, up view and down view are 300 metres apart. In other, at other plan scales, that single point might become 16 points or 16 billion points. Which representation should be used for planning the area around the Eiffel Tower? It could be the Champ de Mar, a plant community, an aquifer, the air, an alluvial plain, the Ile de France, Europe or the world. If plans were made for each, there would be conflicts of interest, interpretation and policy. What is economically good may be ecologically bad, yet all need wise and imaginative plans.
things. Without them, we may have no future. There is some repetition in the essays. I have taken a layered approach to their writing to help make the case for a layered approach to environmental planning and design. In 1968, I saw myself as a town planner. In 1978, as a landscape designer. In 1988, as an urban and landscape planner. At the time of writing, I see it as folly to conduct design without planning or planning without design. To counter the modernist bent for ever greater specialisation, the essays take a fairly broad view, no doubt leading me into error. Science and the arts can learn from each other. Planning can learn from garden design, as it has often done in the past. Landscape design can learn from the arts and the sciences. Garden design suffers when it is divorced from architecture and landscape. Parks should be planned in conjunction with other land uses. Architecture should make a just response to plans and to contexts. As individuals and as members of the public, we suffer from over-specialisation and over-fragmentation. May the city of tomorrow shine as a feast of landscapes. Okay, thanks for listening. Please subscribe on your podcast player if you'd like to hear the next episode. Or if you want to know more, have a look at thegardenvisit.com or Landscape Architecture YouTube channels.